values are the written reminders of the only acceptable behaviors in an organization that set people free and keep them safe. And the values need to be hierarchical and they need to be clearly defined. The behaviors are what do we need to do to support our goals and objectives? And then the behaviors of leadership are, are we being a servant leader? And if you put all that together consistently over time, our outcome has been our 93.3% employee engagement, which has grown from the ugly numbers that most companies are, which are around the 30%. And incidentally, in doing that, we've taken the market cap of our company from $250 million to $2.6 billion, which is a compounded annual growth rate of total shareholder return of 15% a year. And it's all about the people. Because at the end of the day, even though our why is about memories, we sell oil in a can. Culture first. 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 This episode is short and sharp, and there is a learning moment at every turn, so I'm going to do my best to keep this intro the same. Simon Sinek opened our eyes to the power of having a clear why many years ago, but my guest today was CEO for 25 years of one of the very first companies that Simon recognized as putting his golden circle into practice. Gary Ridge's leadership style is unique, bold, and a balance of his Australian upbringing, as well as his time on the road as a traveling salesperson. Many of you have probably not heard of Gary, but his leadership style and infinite mindset saw him become the longest serving Australian chief of a US listed company. That company is WD-40, one of the most recognizable household items in the world. You'll hear what Gary has to say about his relationship with Simon Sinek in a moment. He even lets us in on the tweaks he's made to Simon's own formula for creating a culture-first company. We recorded this conversation in 2020 and used a small part of it in my episode with Simon Sinek, so long-time listeners of the Culture First podcast might find some of this recognisable. But we never released it in full, so today I thought it was time to honour Gary's incredible legacy from his time with WD-40. Within a span of less than 20 minutes, you're going to hear Gary quote both Nelson Mandela and Aristotle, share the traditions he learned from his time spent with the First Nations people and Indigenous Fijians that he then brought back to his organisation, and also gift us the most poignant Australian rugby analogy that I think has ever existed. Gary's success has seen him teach culture at both the University of San Diego and the University of Pennsylvania. And in this episode, he delivers a masterclass on how we put culture first in order to deliver a total shareholder return more than twice that of the S&P 500 over his two decades as CEO. All right, I promise to keep it short. Let's head over to my conversation with Gary Ridge. Gary, you joined WD40 in 1987, so you've had an incredible tenure there. Can I ask a little bit about 
sort of how you started in Australia and then have sort of grown your role in the company to now be the CEO and chairman? Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I did. I started with WD-40 in 1987. I opened our Australian subsidiary in Sydney. My introduction to WD-40 company was interesting. Prior to being asked to join them, I worked for the distributor of WD-40 in Australia. And that's how I got to know the leadership team here. And in 1987, the licensing agreement for the brand in Australia was coming to an end. And the company at that time were starting to get really serious about going global. Back then, we were probably less than $100 million in revenue, probably uh, 90% or more of our business was in the United States. But we uh, at that time knew that there were squeaks all around the world. And Australia was one of the pilots, if you will, about how could this company go global? So I was asked to join them in 87. I opened our subsidiary in 1988. And I worked in Australia from 88 through to 94. However, I spent most of my time in Asia. Australia was our base. And we uh, looked at different models of business structures and organizations to help us develop our global business. And they were successful in some cases. And in 94, uh, I was on a call with my then boss here in San Diego. And I posed the question, is there anything else you'd like me to do? I think I could add some more value. And he said, well, have you thought about moving to the United States? And I said, to do what? And he said, to head up our global expansion. I said, hmm, that sounds interesting. My dad was an engineer and he worked for the same company for 50 years. And I remember saying to him, hey, dad, I've been given this opportunity. What do you think? And he said, you can't go wrong with that stuff, son. And I think he was right. So I moved here in 1994. And then in 1997, I got the opportunity to lead the tribe. And we've just had a wonderful time from then until now and into the future. We've got a lot of fun things to do. It's an incredible story. I uh, have a a similar kind of moment in, in terms of, you know, as a fellow Australian moving out to California and to San Francisco. And I was speaking to my dad about sort of what was next for, for my career. And I wasn't working at Coltramp yet, but I was certainly, you know, ha- had this offer to join. And there was a similar moment where someone said, when you get a chance to, you know, join a potential rocket ship, don't ask what seat, just jump on. And I think just sort of jumping in, into the unknown and moving to a foreign country has been such an incredible learning moment for me. And it sounds like it's obviously worked out pretty well for you as well. Sure has. And I'm glad you used the word learning moment. Yes, we can definitely talk about that a little bit more. But first, you know, WD-40 is quite a well-known product around the world, but you don't really talk about selling a product. You talk about creating memories. Why are you so particular about that difference, which I'm sure would be quite unusual for a lot of companies to actually think that way? Well, thank you. Yeah, the, the reason I talk about memories is I truly believe that to build a strong culture, you have to have a, a purpose that people can actually relate to. And we often say, uh, imagine a place where you go to work every day, you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself, you learn something new, you feel safe, and you're set free by a set of values, and you go home happy. And our purpose, which is to, we we, we, we exist to create positive lasting memories in, in everything we do, we solve problems, we make things work smoothly, and we create opportunities, to us is a bigger purpose or a bigger why than saying we're an oil that stops squeaks. So memories to us are very important in life. They're the things that we treasure the most and we get up every day to create positive lasting memories. Which ties in, I think, beautifully to a lot of the work that you know Simon Sinek has said um, and has 
you know, spent his career trying to make sure that more leaders and companies can think in this way. And when when I sat down to speak to Simon, he identified a couple of different companies, which he thought was definitely a culture first company, but also a company with an infinite mindset. And when doing some background research for this interview, um, I found a video where, where Simon actually said that WD-40 was one of the first companies that turned him from a crazy idealist into someone with an actual example from a company that shows that this future organization that we all wish for could actually exist. So how does it feel to actually you know, be one of these companies that has been able to actually have this in, in, infinite mindset and to have a quote like that said? Well, it's a credit to our tribe. You know, I met Simon nearly 10 years ago, I think. And we happened to be on a panel together about corporate culture. And at that time, I really didn't know who he was. And obviously, he wouldn't know who I am. But we hit it off and we started, you know, exchanging thoughts. And um, I love Simon's work. I, I just a couple of weeks ago finished reading his latest book, The Infinite Game. I use his Start With Why and uh, Leaders Eat Last work in, in the teaching that I do at the University of San Diego and at UPenn where I teach culture. And I just think he made it so simple with his why, how, what. Most companies know what they do. Some know how they do it. Not many know why they do what they do. And in fact, I stole something from his latest book and adapted it. He says in The Infinite Game that culture equals values plus behavior. Well, I adapted it and I said cultures equals values plus behavior times consistency. And that's really one of the things, if not the thing, that's helped us grow our business, both from a employee engagement standpoint, but then because of that on a financial basis is that we've been consistent around the values that we demand keep people safe and set free and the behaviors that go along with that and consistency is so important. I think that's a really beautiful tweak on that equation because when I think about values, I think of them being the foundations of the culture and then the behavior is how you want to bring those values to life. And I regularly say that values should be behaviors, not banners. You know, it's very easy to say something and have it up on the wall, but to actually have it as a behavior is where the rubber hits the road. But with that is also consistency, which is how often is this able to, you know, to show up? Does it only happen at all hands when everyone gets together and then you're like, oh yeah, that's that behavior. But like, can it actually play out every day, you know, on, on the factory lines or in a, in a team meeting? Absolutely. And one of the things that I really believe in, and I look, I thought about behavior a lot and I put behavior in, in two buckets. I put it in the behavior of goals and objectives. So is, are the behaviors of the tribe members supporting the why of the company? And then the other behavior is servant leadership. Are we performing the how of the company? Are we being servant leaders? You know, I I created this fictitious character called Al, the soul-sucking CEO. And um, I've written a couple of articles about Al and his behaviors. And it's very easy to identify the ego-driven behaviors that actually create toxic cultures. And Al does that. And um, so I think it's its values are very clear. Values are the written reminders of the only acceptable behaviors in an organization that set people free and keep them safe. And the values need to be hierarchical and they need to be clearly defined. The behaviors are what do we need to do to support our goals and objectives? And then the behaviors of leadership are, are we being a servant leader? And if you put all that together consistently over time, our outcome has been 
our 93.3% employee engagement, which has grown from the ugly numbers that most companies are, which are around the 30%. And incidentally, in doing that, we've taken the market cap of our company from $250 million to $2.6 billion, which is a compounded annual growth rate of total shareholder return of 15% a year. And it's all about the people. Because at the end of the day, even though our why is about memories, we sell oil in a can. I think that's a an incredible example of why like culture first is not something you think about at the end of the business results is like, oh, and by the way, our employees don't mind working here. It's actually how do we set up a company in a way where we put culture first because that is actually what will lead to business success. Well, you know what I think is amazing when I, I took a share with our tribe members, I say one of the biggest advantages we have is companies we compete with, 70% of the people who go to work at those companies hate their jobs. So isn't it wonderful to be playing against a team that hate doing what they're doing because they're not going to be able to, to perform you know, to the optimal level. And that's why it's so important. It's, this is so simple. You know, when I, when I first got on this journey, you know, I, I worked out a couple of things. Micromanagement wasn't scalable. And I, you know, I went back to school just after I, I got the job at WD-40 as CEO and I went to the University of San Diego and I did a master's degree in leadership. And that's where I met my mentor, Ken Blanchard, the one minute manager. He was my professor. And Ken and I eventually became very dear friends. We wrote a book together. I was on his board for 10 years. And he's the real guru of servant leadership. And it's simple. And, and when you think about it, Aristotle said in 384 BC, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. So we're pretty slow learners, aren't we? And it's so simple. You know, it's really is simple, but it's hard. You know, these Simon Sinek and I agree. This is simple, not easy. And time is not your friend. That's why consistency is so important. So in your opinion, you know, what actually makes WD-40 an infinite mindset organization? I think you've certainly touched on some of the ways that you think this way, but, you know, how, how are you act, actually playing that long game? Well, we have a promise to ourselves. We're going to build an enduring company that we're going to be proud to hand on to others. So we're playing the infinite game. But there is also finite games that you play within the infinite game. And, and, you know, you don't build culture, you know, in a day. It's not like you get fairy dust and sprinkle it over a, over business and suddenly the culture changes. And, you know, you might remember when we were at school years ago, you know, you'd go into a science lab and you'd, you'd get a Petri dish and you would, you know, put stuff in it and you would grow culture. And it took time. But also you had to be very careful what you put in that petri dish and you had to be very very rigorous about taking out anything that was impacting the culture in a negative way so you know we we believe that culture being about people we call ourselves a, a, a tribe not a team and the reason we call ourselves a tribe is that one of the the key benefits of of a strong culture is is the desire people have to belong one of the biggest desires we have as human beings is to belong. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs are safety and security. You know, am I safe? Am I secure? Can I survive? The third one is love or belonging. And, and organizations don't want to talk about that word love very much, but you can love where you are and you can love the people that go to work. So as a tribe, you know, the number one responsibility we have as leaders is to be learners and teachers because we want to 
teach people and have them learn. There's values. And, you know, I, I put this whole tribal uh, concept together based on studying the indigenous Australians and the Fijian Islanders. I went and sat with them and asked them, what behaviours did you have that kept you together over hard times in, in arid conditions? And when you look at it, it's pretty simple. You know, treat people with respect and dignity. You know, care is very important. Do you care for your people? Our definition of care is basically is the well-being and development of someone else slightly more important than yours? Candor is no lying, no faking, no hiding. Accountability is what do I expect from you and what do you expect from me? And are we going to be brave enough and in a trust position to be able to share that? And then responsibility is I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. And again, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Culture First means Culture Amp. I'm Didier Elzinger, co-founder and CEO. Together with thousands of customers around the globe, we're co-creating a better world of work. That means enabling leaders to drive their most impressive performance outcomes with real-time insights, data, and predictions. Our podcast is called Culture First because when you get culture right, your business succeeds at a rate never thought possible. Join us at cultureamp.com to see what it's all about. I could talk about this all day with you, but I'm really enjoying the content so far. But I wanted to focus on something that I think it's talked a lot about in the tech industry, as well as in Silicon Valley, which I know is a little bit north of where you are today in San Diego. But the idea of the power of failure and why we should fail fast and fail often. And I think you believe in this, but you believe in this in a different way. You actually encourage your employees to call that something different. And so what do you call that at WD40? We call them learning moments. And a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. Apart from belonging, one of the other big negatives in our life is the fear of failure. And we decided some time ago, I, I, I learned three very important words a long time ago. I don't know. And getting comfortable with those is very important. So we wanted to make sure that people were open and free, living our values and sharing with us the things that do and don't work. If they don't work, what are we going to learn from them? And if they do work, how are we going to amplify them? And if we, you know, if people were afraid of being criticized and ridiculed because they made a mistake, that was never going to happen. And I worked out a long time ago in every situation, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. So it's okay. So we, if you were to go to any one of our operations in any of the 14 countries the op we now operate in around the world, we sell our brand in 176 countries, but we have offices in 14 countries. You will hear in Chinese, French, Spanish, German, Australian, whatever language they're speaking, you'll hear them talking about learning moments. And learning moments is, at the, is one of the, the core attributes of building a strong culture. I couldn't agree more. One of my favorite quotes that I've sort of coined around that is the one thing I know is that I don't know everything. And it's around always knowing that there's parts unknown out there that you need to be open and explore and having that curious mindset that allows you to actually dive into the unknown and not work on assumptions. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know, but you're probably a, a somewhat younger than I am. But I remember back in Australia years ago, there used to be a professor on TV called Professor Julius Sumder Miller. 
and he used to be in a white coat and he was actually American. And, you know, I'd come home from school in the in the 60s and this show would be on. And he used to do crazy things like suck eggs into a bottle and all that sort of stuff. But always after every experiment, he'd, he'd ask this question, why is it so? And that has stuck with me so much in life to be able to ask, why is that so? Why do I believe that to be true? What's different? How can it? So curiosity is amazing. And, you know, Nelson Mandela said education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Well, just replace the word education with learning and create an organization where learning is the key and you will change your organization. We've proven it. Our tribe has proven it. Which ties in well to my next question, which is really around, you know, you've got this incredibly large workforce and you've got these great values and behaviors that you're trying to consistently make sure that they show up across WD-40. What role do the managers play at WD-40 in bringing Ancora Imparo to life? Well, firstly, bringing learning or I always am to life is about what is the role of our leaders. And we don't call people managers here. We call them coaches. So you don't report to a manager, you report to a coach. And a coach's role, if you think about it, you know, being an Aussie, you've never seen uh, the, um, the Aussie rugby coach on the, on the podium picking up the prize. The job of a coach is in the locker room and on the sideline. And what is the coach's job? To help win the game by making the players the best they possibly can be, to help them shine. So our role at WD-40 as coaches is we are not here to mark people's papers. We're here to help them get A's. And learning is so much part of that. Everybody here is a learner and a teacher. It's core to our tribal culture. I couldn't agree more. I think actually like creating that learning culture where it's sort of built into the work and the, and the coaches have that chance to actually bring that to life. It, uh, it was a nice tie-in actually to episode two of the Culture First podcast. My main guest was a lady named Ambrosia Vitesi and she actually spoke about her time as a wrestler and how her coach said, I'm with you all the way up until the moment when you're on the mat, but then when you're on the mat, it's up to you. Absolutely. And I'm not going to be there when you put on the, the winning belt because that is something that's yours. So you guest lecture about company culture and, you know, you've got some incredible philosophies about this. If there was one thing that you could uh, sort of impart to the listeners of the Culture First podcast uh, about company culture, what would you like to share? I think one of the most important things about building company culture is understanding that leadership is not about you. And when your ego eats your empathy instead of empathy eating your ego. You become Al, the soul-sucking leader, and with his behaviors or her behaviors, there is no opportunity for you to grow a culture where people go to work every day, they make a contribution to something bigger than themselves, they learn something new, and they feel safe and go home happy. A big thank you to Gary Ridge for joining me on the Culture First podcast. Gary's success at WD-40 is an incredible case study of why being intentional about your company culture is how to succeed as a business. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, Gary's culture-first approach resulted in a shareholder return that exceeded that of the S&P 500 during his time at the top. So the next time someone tells you that focusing on the culture of the company isn't going to help the business succeed, Send them this episode and over to Gary 
who will definitely help them change their mind. If I just had to pick one thing that I want you to take away from Gary's words, it's this idea that the job of a manager, or as they're called at WD40, a coach, is to guide their team to be the best that they possibly can be, to help them shine. If you think about your role this way, as if you're a coach, Gary reminded us all that coaches aren't here to mark people's papers. They're here to help them get A's. I've been your host, Damon Klotz, and the Culture First podcast is brought to you by the team here at CultureAmp, the world's leading employee experience platform. Learn more about CultureAmp by heading to cultureamp.com. We believe in creating a better world of work. If that's important to you too, then please subscribe and leave us a review to make sure that you don't miss a single episode and that more people can be part of this Culture First community that we're building together, where we're trying to share stories that inspire us all to create a better world of work.